Welcome to Adversarial Learning. Welcome to Adversarial Learning. This is Andrew and Joel, as always, and we have a uh, returning guest, uh, Tim Hopper, um, who is, since he's, this is our se- his second time, that officially makes him a regular. So Tim, how does that make you feel? I, I'm extremely honored. I've never been a regular anywhere except Starbucks <laughs> when I was in grad school. Okay. So uh, Joel, you want to you introduce this episode? Yeah. So this episode is all about interviews, and in particular, bad interviews. Um, So I have this Medium post uh, that I wrote and never published in a City in My Drafts folder. In fact, I have a lot of Medium posts that are City in My Drafts folder because I never published anything on Medium. Um, And it's basically all of my terrible interview stories. And I have a lot of terrible interview stories. Um, And a number of people have suggested that, uh, you know, this draft has kind of circulated uh, through the back alleys of the internet. And people have Reddit and four chan or four uh, chan eight chan twelve chan all the chans four chan no not four chan and they said you know d- don't publish it but they're good stories I tell them at happy hours people like them and so I thought maybe you know maybe that'd make a good podcast episode and that they're out there but you wouldn't find them by say googling uh, those particular stories or by googling my name um, and then I know uh, you know from Twitter and talking to him that Tim has. Uh, a number of stories in the same vein. Uh, and then Andrew is in the tech industry, so it seems likely that he probably has some too. I don't know if he does. Maybe all his interviews weren't really well and he gets every job he applies for. Um, <laughs> I have a handful. He has a handful. Um, but what is our purpose here? One, our purpose here is to not to name and shame, because we're not going to name, but mostly just to shame. So that's one. Uh, two, you know, these stories are, are kind of sad and funny, and everyone likes stories that are sad and funny. Uh, and, you know, three, just to let you know that, uh, you know, Andrew and Tim and I are all sort of heroes of data science, if you will. Um, and, you know, people look up to us and see us as people to be emulated. And so it's, you know, good for you to know that even we, the heroes of data science, like go on a lot of really bad interviews and get rejected from a lot of jobs um, because uh, hiring is broken, you know, and anytime someone doesn't hire me, that means hiring is broken, obviously. Um, and so you'll get to hear about how many ways hiring is broken. I've actually, uh, for those who don't know, I've uh, named on Twitter every company that I've interviewed at and not gotten an offer from. And uh, it's linked from my blog post, which is called Some Reflections on Being Turned Down for a Lot of Data Science Jobs. (laughs) Links to those tweets. I I decided it's helpful for people to know that uh, even those of us who have people on the internet who look up to us still have weird experiences and, and don't yeah, it's, have it's sort of it's different from the from the popular imposter syndrome style you know confessional quotes about i too am a successful person but i can't remember where the back tick key is or what have you this is more you know just it's like a we're yeah. on it together and and it's hard to interview it's hard to be on both sides of the table um so it's it's more just like a an admission or, you know, an opening of the door, you know, that, you know, 
it, it happens to everybody. But mostly to us. Mostly to us because we are bad at interviewing I, for jobs. I, I've actually b- almost been interviewing continuously for five years for a variety <laughs> of reasons. I've done, I don't know, probably no fewer than three interviews a year and sometimes more than that. So I've, I've done a lot of these. Well, who wants to kick it off? I mean, I have very few because I'm so good at interviewing, um, but I could I could burn one. Tim's our guest. Why don't we let him go first? Sure, sure. Uh, when I was in grad school, I um, interviewed at a, a local technology firm that's very large and has lots of computers. And um, because I didn't have a lot of work experience at the time, they were asking me to talk about my research from grad school where I was working on um, stochastic optimization models for scheduling patients in outpatient healthcare clinics. And so these problems that I was working on, uh, I was basically approximating a exact solution that my advisor had tried to do where he could only schedule four patients before the combinatorial explosion resulted in the model not ever converging. And so I was trying to figure out if I could approximate this problem that was provably extremely hard. So I started explaining it to a guy and he basically was telling me that this problem I had been working on for six months was a trivial problem and that it essentially had just a a simple heuristic solution would find the optimal solution. And I don't know if he was trying to, to ruffle my feathers or what, but I ended up having a very intense argument with him about how he was completely wrong. I think he had a PhD in computer science. Who was right? Him or you? I'm sure I was right, but I didn't get a job offer, so no one won, I guess. Uh, you you won by being right. I, I, I'm very confident I was right, um, but it was an extremely hard problem that as far as I know, no one's really come up with a good solution for. But I, I don't, I just don't, I wish I knew, like sometimes you just wish you knew why someone was asking the question. Like, is he just trying to see how you respond to that situation or is he really just an idiot? Or both. Or both. Did you get an offer? No, I didn't get an offer. How's that company doing today? They have uh, uh, roughly 500,000 employees, so they seem to be holding on for now. All right. But, you know, maybe their time is, is still limited. That's true. My first story. The year was 2011. It was sort of, you know, the advent of data science. People were just starting to call themselves data scientists instead of data analysts or whatever it is people called themselves before that. Um, I had a job, uh, but I didn't like it that much. So this recruiter contacted me and said, hey, we want you to interview at this place. And they basically, uh, here's what they did. They took TV watcher demographic data and they used it to basically optimize the timing and placement of infomercials by saying, you know what, Fargo, North Dakota seems like it's expensive, you know, at the 3 a.m. time slot, but our demographic data says people in Fargo are much more likely to be slap choppers than people in, you know, Bismarck, South Dakota. So therefore, if you have a slap chopper infomercial, um, you know, the, the Fargo, North Dakota is a much better buy. So that's what they did. Um, it sounds kind of dreadful, um, and I bet it was dreadful, but I interviewed anyway. So I go in and I sit with a guy who's the hiring manager and he says, okay, here's what we do. He explains that to me. And then he pulls up this spreadsheet with like a shit ton of data in it. And he says, so this is the kind of data we work with. See what you can make of this. And he hands me the keyboard. Uh, and so I'm like, okay. 
So I start, you know, making summary statistics and pivot tables and crunching through the data and finding some uh, some nuggets of information that I can show him to try and impress him or whatever. And this goes on for like maybe 45 minutes and he's not saying anything. Um, and, and so after 45 minutes, I sort of, you know, I, I bold a couple cells and, and draw the grid and say, okay, that's what I got. And he looks at me and he says, yeah, that's not how we think about it at all. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, was that a criticism or a compliment? Um, I think it was a criticism, but I don't know. <laughs> and then he goes, here's how we think about it. And he p- takes the keyboard and he shows me like a bunch of other stuff that's totally different from what I did. And I was like, oh, OK. And so then uh, I left and I called the recruiter and I said, wow, that went really poorly. And he's like, OK, let me check with them and you know call you back. And he called back and he said, you know what? They really liked you. They just thought you weren't interested. I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, so they propose that you come back and meet with their CEO. He can kind of sell you on the vision of the company. And I was like, all right, fine. You know, I had a job, so I had to like invent another doctor's appointment now to go back. And uh, so I go and I sit with the CEO. He like shows me slides. He talks to his vision, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sounds pretty good. And he says, okay, you know, if you're interested, our next step is a full day of technical interviews. Oh, God. And I'm like, what did I already do? Like... (laughs) And so I went back and I called the recruiter and uh, I said, you know, did you know that I was going back to talk with the CEO to see if I could have another day of technical interviews? And the recruiter's like, no, I didn't know that, actually. Uh, This is our first time working with that client. So uh, uh, sorry. And and so anyway, at that point, I I withdrew from the process and I got an email from the hiring manager uh, that said, in essence, I didn't want to say this, you know, during the interview process. But now that you've withdrawn, like... I looked you up on Google and checked out some of the things you've done, and I think you're an interesting fellow. Ugh, weird. And, and that was that. And uh, I, I don't think the company, I can't remember what the company's called, so it's hard to <laughs> figure out if they exist anymore, but I don't think they exist anymore. Uh, was interesting fellow a criticism or a compliment? I, I think, it, no, I think it was a compliment. Like, okay. I, I think it was like, you're a, you're a, you're a weird, like, Twitter shitlord and stuff, and that's cool. <laughs> It's just a weird thing to to email. Like I, I always get, I mean, this isn't a story story, but I get weirded out when I get stalked by somebody I'm going to be interviewing as a candidate. I, I mean, I know it's not weird in reality, but I find it, I, I just feel like, you know, it's premature or something, but I, you know, I'm kind of a prude as far as that goes. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind that because I always, I always encourage people when they're interviewing to find out as much as they can about who's going to be interviewing them and stalk those people. So sure. it would be a little bit. Um, you know, hypocritical of me to, it is weird when like I'm interviewing someone and they start asking me questions about, you know, my Twitter account, but right. Well, I mean, I've had, I've had LinkedIn requests from somebody who I am about to interview or I just interviewed too. And I find that a little over the line. That's why I always check out people's profiles in in incognito mode first. Yeah. But sometimes it won't show them to you. Like I I think they've wised up to that. Yep. I mean, the reality is, is I'm already connected to like 500 people on LinkedIn that I don't know. So like, what does it hurt me to connect to <laughs> some person I'm interviewing? Yeah. Yeah. I have one where I was, you know, I was out of work, which, you know, that always puts you in a, in a more desperate position. And a recruiter was a, the sister of a, a good friend of mine. And 
you know, so she said, well, we should get together and talk. And I said, yeah, I have nothing to lose. I need, you know, I need help, obviously. So we met up and she rattled through some options and um, recruiters need to get a sense of where you, where you are in your career and what you're looking for. And then, you know, their role is to match you up with somebody who's looking for somebody just like you. And, and it never works that way. So the recruiter said, I have something at a company in Factoria. They do so they were, uh, what was this, like six years ago or something or six for, and a half. For those of you who are not Seattle people, Factoria is like, oh, yeah. uh, there's a there's a mall there basically. But I was going to explain. <laughs> I was going to explain how desolate a location it is. But yeah, uh, yeah so she said we have a, it, it's a company in Factoria. And for, you know, immediately I was like, oh God. <laughs> and then, because uh, I, you know, I, I, in Seattle, if you have to drive more than 15 minutes, you know, you're doing it wrong. So, and she said, you know, it's a, it's a social media indexing company. And so what they, what they do is they, they take all the, all the tweets and all the, all the Facebook posts that they can, you know, buy access to. And they make, you know, they, they summarize it and they, they build analytics on top of it. And I thought, okay, I mean, you know, sifting through recycling and garbage, you know, might, be a fine way to make a living. And so I went out for the interview and, uh, you know, I got in the, I got in a car, got on the highway, found myself in rush hour traffic going out to the east side. Um, you know, and it was raining and it was just a perfect day, you know, just as far as like what life would be like taking a job that's, you know, up to an hour commute each way, depending on traffic, get to Factoria, find the place, park, I go in, you know, and, and, you know, you get introduced to people and they sat me in a room in which, in which I, I was going to be for seven hours that day. It was not a windowless room. It did have a window. It did have a whiteboard and it had a table and some chairs. Um, and so we went through, you know, technical questions. We went through uh, questions about my background, which, you know, there was some relevance because I had done some large scale analytics, but, um, you know, they're specific, they were hiring for somebody who was doing, you know, exactly what they were doing. Again, it is very, very, you know, targeted role. And, uh, and the questions got harder and harder. Uh, the more people they, you know, I, I got in front of, you know, got to the point where I was standing at a whiteboard with somebody who was asking me the, you know, the question really boiled down to, can you figure out the very tailored specific solution to this very difficult problem that I've been working on for two years. And, you know, at a certain point, I just started shrugging and saying, no, I don't know the answer. I can't, I'm out of ideas. And so it didn't go well. And, you know, also there was a very panicked sense um, of urgency. Like they, you know, they knew that they were running out of money. And so there was, they were on their last, last fumes of, of funding. And so that just, you know, the whole, the whole thing felt terrible. And, and then for lunch, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm accustomed to like, if, if I'm interviewing somebody for even a couple of hours to offer them to go out to lunch with a team or something like that. And instead everybody was so busy that they, they said, do you like pizza? And I said, sure, I like pizza. And so they ordered a pizza and a salad. It delivered, it got delivered. I sat there by myself for lunchtime eating it, you know, just super <laughs> really unhappy and, and scared. Like I was already like feeling like this isn't going well. But instead of bailing at lunch, I just thought, you know, while I'm here, I should finish it out. And um, and just, I, I, it actually just, yeah, it got worse after lunch. So I, I left, went home, and I was just like, 
this was a really bad idea. And, you know, the follow-up with, with the recruiter and, you know, was just, no, I, I don't think it went well. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't choose to move on with the process. So I think it was mutual. Did you get to keep the leftover pizza? I, <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I forget, but yeah, dodged a bullet on that one. I, and how's that company doing today? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I had a, a little bit of a similar situation when I also when I was in grad school uh, interviewing at a company where they put me in a conference room all day and it was a pretty far walk from my car. I guess it was before I had a smartphone because I was poor and they misscheduled the interviews. And so I was in the conference room for 30 minutes by myself. Yeah. And there was literally nothing there wasn't even like a magazine I could flip through. <laughs> no one like came to check on me. So I just was sitting there like twiddling my thumbs. And uh, I guess there's that Pascal quote about the problem of humanity with man not being able to sit in an empty room by himself or something. But I uh, exemplified that that day. Well, you made it through. And they hired me. So. Oh, hey. <laughs> those, those sorts of stories aren't allowed here. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, am I allowed to talk about uh, interview stories where I was interviewing someone? Oh, yeah. I'd I like guess, yeah. Okay, I have one um, where I I was interviewing for a position on a data science team, uh, a candidate who had a PhD in data mining and had a very impressive resume. And so I was excited about it. You know, I was, I thought, well, heck, you know, we can get some, somebody with some true expertise on the team. And there was a language barrier problem. Like he had a, he had a strong accent, but we worked that through and we, we, we got, we got to where we were understanding each other as far as, as far as we could. But I saw data mining and I saw, you know, large scale analytics on his resume. So I, I moved into the question and um, some questions about matrix math. And that's when it went, went weird. So like we, we had a full hour scheduled. This was about 15 minutes in um, and I said so how are you how, how comfortable are you with linear algebra concepts you know normally I would expect in an interview like that for somebody to say oh you know it's been a while uh, or ah, pretty good whatever what what kind of questions do you want to talk about um, but instead this guy said no that's too basic from my perspective that linear algebra is not a basic set you know basic field it's pretty pretty hard to grasp stuff in there. I, I thought I might have misheard him. And I said, what? And he said, it's too basic. And I was like, what do you mean it's too basic? And he said, any high school student could answer questions about linear algebra. And I said, of course. I mean, you know, depending on the high school, sure. It any So, and I said, okay, well, I'm not sure I understand what you mean, but I mean, you, but you get the, you know, matrices and vectors and dot products and things like that. And he said, yeah, that's, that's high school level. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. So let's, I mean, we could go up a notch. And I said, so how, how familiar are you with uh, matrix factorization methods? And he said, too easy. And I was like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. What do you mean? It's too easy. Like that stuff's super hard to understand. Like, I feel like I, I struggle with those concepts, you know? And and so I said, I'm so are you seriously telling me that matrix factorization is too easy for you? And he said, yes, this is, this is way beneath me. And I was like, you know, well, look, man, this is the kind of stuff we deal with on the job. 
rarely, right? But, you know, here and there. And it's something that we're looking for. And so I would appreciate it if you can answer the question. And he said, look, I've interviewed, and he got, he was getting really animated and very angry. And he said, I've interviewed with three people already at this company. And now you're asking me these questions. This is ridiculous. And I was like, I, you know, I'll, I, I don't know what to do with, with this, you know. And so I said, okay, look, let's move on. Are you familiar with recommender techniques? And he said, yes, of course. And I said, that's great. <laughs> so have you... <laughs> Have you, are you familiar with, say, alternating least squares method? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, can you describe how that works for me? And he hung up. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I was so pleased with, my, with, with that, that turn of events. I was like, I knew it. You know, like, it was like I, I caught you in a lie. But, you know, like, honestly, I, I, I had hoped that it, would, it wouldn't go this way. And I was very surprised. So... I hung on the bridge for another five minutes just in case he had accidentally hung up. And I don't think he had. So the interview only lasted a half hour. I gave my feedback to, I was interviewing somebody as a, as a favor because they were like, this guy's way too advanced for our team to interview. And I was like, I don't think you want this guy. Um, but that's one of my favorites. So I, uh, this was my worst interview for a long time. I got contacted by a recruiter. This was probably about three years ago, maybe four. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, so the recruiter tells me, you know, there's this new innovation studio opening up in uh, Pioneer Square. And Pioneer Square is like this filthy neighborhood where all the vagrants live. And then it's also a cool place to have a startup. And, you know, it's an innovation studio. They're going to innovate and spin out startups. And uh, I said, okay, whatever. And he's like, you know, uh, I, I think you should talk to them. They have this role. The role is actually called Data Jedi, which should have been like my first like huge red flag. Yeah. Um, because whenever Not someone... Sith. No, not Sith. Um, it was Data Jedi, and then if you look at their their website, all their all their job titles were like front end Ferengi and like stupid shit like that. So I say, sure. Here's my resume. Recruiter like emails me back ten minutes. He's like, their CEO is super stoked about you. He wants to talk to you on the phone. Uh, the CEO was like, somewhat, you know, he he has his own Wikipedia page. He that's not what he said. That's what I'm telling you. Um, he was a co-founder of some companies you might have heard of. So I talked to him, and you know, he lays on like all this like CEO bullshit about. I believe in, you know, building the best teams and I believe in hiring people for potential, not what they know. And, you know, one time I interviewed this guy and he was doing terribly in the interviews. And so I said, you know, screw the interview script. Tell me about something you're passionate about. And he was really passionate about baseball or something like that. And so we talked about baseball and through that, I sort of like drew him out and, you know, he was the best guy I ever hired. And so like, that's like my hiring philosophy. <laughs> like, sure, whatever. So then he's like, yeah, you know, you want to come down to our innovation studio and like, talk to us. And I said, sure, why not? So, you know, I, I took half day off work. Actually, I think I took the whole day off work and I went down there and it was very small at this point. Uh, it was like maybe five people. Um, and one of them was the office manager and she greeted me and put me in a room and, and she asked me like, uh, you know, what do you think about our, our, you know, clever job titles? And I said, you know, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I don't want to be called data Jedi. Like I can't put that on my resume. I can't tell people that's what I do. And she, she looked like personally hurt that I had said Ooh. that because I think she was probably the one who like came up with them or something. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so then they bring in this dude who's like their lead engineer. He's possibly their only engineer at this point. And he does the same thing that, you know, that one of you guys mentioned earlier, which is here's, oh, well, let's take a step back. You know, this is such a cool building that like the conference room doesn't have any whiteboards. So Instead of whiteboard coding, they want me to code on a pad of paper, which is like a real class move there. Yeah. Um, and so he also pulls the whole, you know, 
here's a problem I've been working on for the last several months. What can you do with it in 20 minutes? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I did some stuff uh, and it wasn't what he wanted me to do. And uh, Weird. well, I mean, he showed me what he wanted me to do. And what he wanted me to do was like a really clever trick that I never would have thought of in like, you know, less than several weeks of trying things. Like um, using, but, using trees? Th- things like that, right? Like here's, you know, if we take our data and stick it in this really unusual tree structure, <laughs> then we can uh, run our models in a certain order that's like extra efficient. And, and it's constant. It, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so there was nothing like conceptually hard about it, but it was like super non-obvious. So no, I can't imagine anyone would have come up with it on the spot. And so I didn't do well with that. And then he asked me a question, you know, how would you implement uh, something or whatever? And I said, okay. So I, you know, took my piece of paper and I started like sketching out, okay, I do this method, this method, this method. And then he, he like stops me and he, and he looks at me, he goes, I just wanted you to say message queue. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry for trying to like solve your problem. So he like walks off and I'm sitting there much like Tim was. I, I had a smartphone, but I was still just like sitting there and I was sitting there for like 15 minutes. And like no one came. And so I like I walk out of the conference room and I'm like looking around the office and I see like the whole team is like huddled in a corner talking about something. And so I go back and I sit in the conference room some more. And the CEO then walks in and he sits down and he says, hey, you know, we're a real team here. And one of our team principles is that everyone on an interview loop gets veto power. And the dude you talked to just exercised his. So, like, uh, we're not going to be going through with the rest of your day of interviews. Then he looks at me. Thank God. Thank God. This is the best part. And he says, I just want to apologize. Based on your resume, I just assumed you knew something about algorithms and data structures. (laughs) So, And and, and I'm just like, really? And, like, I was... was I was so dumbstruck that I just didn't say anything. If I'd had my wits more about me, I, I would have told him to fuck himself, basically. And it turns out that like several times after that, I've gotten contacted by recruiters for that same innovation studio. And every time one of them talked to me, I did tell them to fuck themselves. Um, <laughs> and then the, the other thing that, that's fun is that one of my Facebook friends is actually f- Facebook friends with that CEO. So whenever like that company you know, had a GeekWire article about them. GeekWire is like the Seattle version of TechCrunch. She would like post it on her feed and be like, yay, congratulations, like CEO guy. And then it would show up on my feed and I would just be like, <laughs> you're, I was like, you're rubbing this like guy in my face. Like, uh. um, so anyway, yeah, they are, they keep growing. If I go look at their website, they still exist. And, you know, they have like probably 50 people on their website now. And they spun out their first product and I won't tell you what it is, but it exists and I haven't tried it because it's not something I would use. Hmm. We have a local firm that um, I've interviewed at actually several times and they're <laughs> how many? Several. Uh <laughs> at least three. Wow. And the first time in grad school I tried to convince them to give me an internship that they weren't like planning on. <laughs> and the guy interviewing me um during the interview said, I think I've taken up enough of your time and got up and, and walked out. Wow. Um, and then two more times when I think I've been more qualified, I've interviewed there and they've never made me an offer, but they're re- they have recruiters that just recruit incessantly. So whenever I get an email from them, even if it's anonymous, it's very obvious what company it is. So I always reply and say, oh, I've interviewed at that company several times. So they know enough about me. If they want to make me an offer, you can send it along. <laughs> but that's never worked for me. Uh, yeah, I get I get emails from from one of the one of my stories here and there. And every time I'm just. You know, like, mm, no, no, still no, still no. 
No, I've not changed my mind yet. So I have some short stories, but I, one of my more involved ones is uh, I interviewed at a company that was based in San Francisco where before flying to San Francisco, they had me do four hours straight of phone interviews, like back-to-back phone interviews. Wow. And then they gave me a take-home project where I had three hours to complete the project, followed by an hour of doing a presentation to the CEO about my thing. So I did that after work one day. I did a full day's work. And because of the time delay, I worked on it from five to nine which was very exhausting. And then they brought me out to San Francisco to interview me from 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, that's a good signal that they, they liked your work enough to fly you across the country. Yeah, they actually put me up probably in the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at. Which one? Um, I don't remember. I like looked. I was in a corner room looking down at Moscone Center. Oh. Uh, it was very lovely. Nice. And I accidentally got charged to my card, which is a whole other story. Uh, they bring me in to interview 9.30 to 5, which is the longest I've ever been asked to come in somewhere. It's a long one. Yeah. So I interview with people all day. And the end of the day, my last hour and a half is with the head data scientist of this company. Even that's a long one. Yeah. It was all very lengthy. And he starts asking me technical questions and then delves into combinatorics problems, just like like earn problems, you know, that, that kind of thing, and which are all fine. Like I love problems like that, but I had just been, I had flown across the country after work the night before. Yeah. And then I had been interviewing all day. Like if, if anything, start my day with combinatorics questions. Yeah. So he starts hammering me with combinatorics questions. And then I had with him, uh, one of these similar experiences, uh, to what you guys we're just talking about where he, he was asking me to solve some problem and I was proposing a solution to the problem and he had another solution in mind and was very disappointed that I didn't have, I, I had my own solution, not his, mm-hmm. which seems to be a common theme. It really is. Yeah. It's a real problem. I mean, it's like, so when I'm interviewing someone and they're doing it a different way than I would do it or than I have heard before, I go with it and I'm just, you know, I, I see where it goes. And if it's reasonable, it's fine. It's not, I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's like, it's not, it's crazy. It's crazy how much people own, like love their own ideas and you know, how that is such a strong, strong feature of interviewing. So one time I went, I went to this meetup and it was like functional programming and drinking. That was the meetup. So it was like six dudes sitting around like drinking beer and talking about Haskell. So it was awesome. But anyway, the guy, uh, the, one of the guys at the meetup said, you know, he, he was uh, spinning out a startup from this organization and he was looking to hire functional programming people. And so I talked to him and, you know, we had a phone screen and we had coffee and he's like, why don't you come in for an interview loop? And I said, okay, sure. So I went into this organization that it was being spun out of so early in the process that I was mostly interviewing with people who are at the organization, not in the startup. And so like one of these guys, I don't want to give you too much information about him, but he's a very senior guy. He had like a really impressive title and he looks at my resume and he says, oh, I see you did social science, which I did at Caltech. And he says, tell me about that. And I said, oh, it's basically economics, right? And he looks at me and he's like, oh, I'm so relieved. I was worried it was going to be like social work or something like that. And then he launches into this huge like diatribe about how like he loves economics because like profit is the only thing that matters and like making money is like so important. And, you know, the economic way of thinking is the only way to approach the world. And I just sort of sat there and nodded for a while. And so I think I I think I did pretty good by that guy. But then the... 
that founder functional programming guy was the only, he was the only technical person in the company at that point. So what he did was he had a friend who was visiting in town. He was not associated with the company at all, but his friend was just in town. So he's like, I'm just going to have my friend interview you. Wow. I was like, uh, okay. So his friend has this like little notebook and a red pen and he's just sitting there across from me and he's like, okay, question one, can you define what re-entrant means? I'm like, nope, I can't. <laughs> he like makes a little X. And, his, uh, and then he looks at me and he goes to the next page. He goes, okay, question two, do you know anything about signal processing? I'm like, no, is this a signal processing job? He's like, no, but I like to ask about it. Okay, let's say you're sampling a... So I got that one wrong, too. It makes sense. Jesus Christ. And then he's like, okay, have you heard of this and some obscure statistical condition? And I was like, no, I haven't heard of that, but it sounds interesting. He's like, how would you test for that? I said, well, okay, well, you know, one thing you could do is you could try and compute this statistic and then try and check. Uh, and so I go off like this for a minute and he stops. He's like, no, have you ever heard of the so-and-so test? And I'm like, no. He's like, oh. That's the test you would use. And he makes another Ugh, X. Um, and then like, and then he goes on our resume. He says, oh, uh, you know, I see you worked on this in-memory analytics system. Can you tell me about that? And so I start telling him about it. And then he's like, oh, that doesn't, that's a lot less interesting than I expected. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so then he leaves. And then the, the, the main guy comes in and he's like, okay, you know, I just have like one question for you. Uh, go to the whiteboard and like, how would you design Amazon.com? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I don't think I did well in that either. And then, you know, five minutes after that, the guy came back and he's like, yeah, sorry, you're not senior enough. Um, have, a, have a nice day. So it was a good day. I, wow. I, I've never been told day of that uh, I was I was not a good fit. You, you, you seem to have been told that at least twice, Joel. Let's see. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think if there's another time I was told that. Those might have been the only two times, but yeah, that, that's what happens when you give anyone an interviewer veto power, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, <laughs> it, it may be painful, but at least you didn't have to do the rest of that interview day. Yeah, that's nice. That one I did the whole interview day. It was just at the end of the day, he's like, wait here, I'm going to go figure out what the decision is. Oh, criminy. Okay. All right. My more common experience is... Uh, and this just happened. I just uh, interviewed for a job and was turned down. And they say, oh, I'll get back to you on Monday or Tuesday. And that usually means one or two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they, so you just sit there checking your email incessantly with anticipation of yeah. big raise and a signing bonus. And then they crush your soul. Yeah. I, have a, I have a good story about that, but that's my last story. So uh, actually, no, it's my it's my next story, but uh, someone else can get <laughs> Well, I have one. I have one. This was with a local a local company in Seattle, and uh, it was uh, supposed to be with their recommender team. <clears throat> and so, you know, I I went in and got beat up by the recommender team, and that's good. That's expected. You would want to make sure you ask the hardest possible things for anybody getting to getting to join your your fancy team. And that's fine. And but it turns out, and I didn't know this at the time, without having informed my recruiter or me, they also interleaved the web services team. Which, when I say web services, I mean you know the structure, the the infrastructure that the entire internet runs on. So they're probably their most high technical competency team, and. They beat my my ass all day too, and so I 
I mean, it was, it was, I could tell something was weird during the interview. I thought, man, this is just, this is really harder than I expected. And I, you know, I went home, talked to the recruiter and I said, yeah, it's kind of weird. And I told him, I told her, well, I, there were other, you know, it wasn't just the recommender team. It was also so-and-so. And, and she said, oh, that's weird. And, you know, I talked to another friend of mine who worked at that company at the time who was a bar raiser, which if you don't know what a bar raiser is, that is somebody who doesn't belong. He doesn't, he or she is not on the team is interviewing you, but it's a cohort of people who are trained at the company to come in and be, you know, at another level and, and ask the most difficult questions, usually which involve, you know, using a tree structure. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Uh, and so I told him about it and he said, oh, that's really weird. I have never once heard of, and keep in mind, he's been on multiple interview loops in his day. I've never heard of them putting two teams together on one loop. And I said, oh, well, that's great. And I didn't get an, I didn't get an offer from them. So it was, and that was, you know, it was really painful uh, day. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was a bruiser. I have a story about the same company. I know a lot of people work there too. And one of them emailed me one day and he said, hey, Joel, you know, they're starting up this new team here and it's super cool. And I think you would be interested in it. I think you'd be great for it. And like, I'll introduce you to the hiring manager. I I think you should like check it out. And so, you know, this is a friend who did me a solid once. So got to do him a solid as well. So I went and I, and I talked to the guy who was the hiring manager and he seemed like a nice guy. And he actually brought a copy of my book for me to sign, which is a good way to kind of, you know, win nice. me over. And so I was like, that, that's cool. So they're like, well, you know, why don't, why don't you come in for an interview loop? And I said, sure. Okay. So I came in and, you know, the, the first guy was like, all right, how would you build a, a spam filter? I said, okay, you know, I know the standard way t- to build a spam filter, like in the Paul Graham essay, you do, you do a naive based classifier, you do some smoothing, tokenize the words and blah, blah, blah. And so I explained that to him. And then he said, okay, now, let's say I'm malicious and like he lists like 30 different malicious attacks against that spam filter. And he's like, how would you defend against these 30 different malicious attacks? And I was like, uh, I have no idea. And he's like, okay. And so he just kind of like put me at my place. Um, and, and then this company uh, is is big into behavioral interviews. So everyone on the loop has to ask you behavioral questions. You know, tell me about a time when you you know, had a conflict with your manager. Tell me about a time when you felt ethical, things like that. And literally every single person on my loop said, I apologize, but we're required to ask these questions. Wow. (laughs) Every single person on the loop. I apologize, but we're required to ask these questions. That's awesome. Tell me about a time when you had to give someone some bad news. Well, the year was 1980. The place was Strawberry Fields. John Lennon left us all. And, I don't and, remember so, that. Yeah, you, you wouldn't. Um, and and so that was that was the one guy. The hiring manager came in. He asked me to prove an abstract algebra theorem on the whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, does this have anything to do with the job? He's like, no, but what does this have to do with putting ping pong balls into a 747? He's like, but but you have math on your resume. Uh, I've always wanted to ask someone this question. Get out of here. That is so fucked up. (laughs) Then his boss comes in 
And his boss asked me, like, basically a homework problem about Markov chains. Oh, wow. It's like if you were studying Markov chains in school and you got to the end of the chapter and it's like, you know, prove or give a counterexample, assertion. And like, that's what he wanted me to do on the whiteboard. Wow. Uh, prove or give And so that was that. Then there was another guy who came in and he's like, all right, I'm here to talk to you about statistics. Explain to me the difference between Bayesian statistics and frequentist statistics and use lots of equations and, and prove your results. It was like, so it was basically like an oral exam of statistics. So it was like brutal. Um, and then it got worse from there. So anyway, that was over. I was beat. I went home. I think that was like a Tuesday, maybe. On Thursday afternoon, I miss a call and it has a California area code. So I didn't really miss it. I didn't answer it because there's this other recruiter who's a fucking jackass. Okay, (laughs) side story. There's this one recruiter who I have no relationship with whatsoever, but he leaves me phone messages like, hey, Joel, it's Dave. Call me back. 415, blah, 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 blah. Like He doesn't say who he is or what he wants, but he's a recruiter. uh, But he just leaves messages like that. Hey, Joel, it's Dave. Call me back. 415. And, and so I thought it was that guy, so I didn't answer it. Then I checked the voicemail, and it was the recruiter from this this company. So I called back like 30 minutes later, no answer. I called back at the end of the day at like, you know, 4.30 p.m., no answer. Should have picked I, up. I know. Then that was Thursday. Friday, I called at 9.30, no answer. I called at noon, no answer. I emailed my other two contacts. In, and the message he left says, hey, I have an update for you. Call me back. Um, <laughs> so I called at noon on Friday, no answer. I emailed the other two contacts I had in the recruiting department at that point. Didn't hear anything back at like four. I emailed, called him one more time. No answer. Finally, Monday morning. So then I have the whole weekend be like, what the hell is my update? What the hell is my update? What the hell is my update? Monday morning at like 930, he calls me and he he's like, I apologize. I was out on Friday. I was like, yeah, thanks. And he's like, well, we, we looked at the feedback and uh, unfortunately, we don't think you're a a fit for that team. You know, that's a, that's a very like special team. And, you know, they have a very high bar. He says, but I also work with 13 other sort of (laughs) lesser teams. And so if you'd ever be interested in any of those lesser teams that you might be a better match for, you know, feel free to reach out to me at any time. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So then like a week after that, I get an email from the hiring manager and I don't think he's supposed to email me, but he does anyway. And he writes, hey, you know, I'm sorry things didn't work out. I wanted to hire you even if no one else did. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then literally two months after that, I get emailed by a recruiter from that same company that says, we need people like you. (laughs) Yeah. That's sort of like when you buy a vacuum cleaner and then uh, all your recommendations are for vacuum cleaners. Yeah, so th- that was that was good times. Wow, that's really good. I guess there's a, a whole show to be done on the fact that there's no downside other than a little bit of time wasted for recruiters to send. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in their interest. Yeah, absolutely. They're not the ones sitting there. They just, all they have to do is like fire off emails and then follow up and touch base and circle back. So have, it sounds like you're a recruiter then, Andrew. That's what you do all day, right? I love touching base and circling back. I like cir- – I, <laughs> I was in a meeting one time where um, – so I, I did a stint as a, as a large firm consultant. Uh, I don't know. I've forgotten already. Uh, yeah, there was a – I was in a meeting where somebody said that we should recircle the wagons without having ever circled the wagons, <laughs> which, which, which bothered me. I have I have one about um, interviewing for the recommender team for a, uh, a well-known uh, movie streaming service. Go for it. Well, this was before I was 
a data scientist, but I had built some recommender systems. And so I got an interview with the person heading up the recommender team at this movie streaming service. And I was very excited about it. And I had had good interviews up to leading up to that. I expected it to go very, you know, be, be difficult. And it, it turned out it was, he was nice. It was great. Um, didn't get the offer, but the, the fun part was when he said, so how would you build a recommender system for, for our, our users? And I went, I went into the details of, you know, looking at people's behavior, putting them into vectors and calculating similarity between users. And then looking at, you know, the complement of, of the, uh, intersection of their, their movie viewing habits and recommending those compliments. And so his response was, Oh, like K nearest neighbors. <laughs> he said, what you, what you've described is called K nearest neighbors. And I had, I did, I did not know that at the time. So it was, it was, uh, I didn't get the job. Did you say who's K? Yeah, no, I, I mean, so yeah, this is before I had read up on anything. Right. So. Before my book was available to tell people what all these things were. Exactly. Yeah. Long time ago, back in the midst of time. Someone referred me to a job at a streaming movie service, but they they were uninterested in me not living in a specific part of the country. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you can only stream That's movies from one place, right? Yeah. Andrew, uh, was it even streaming when you interviewed there, or was it all like mail order, or was it a different company? Andrew uh -oh. disappeared. I think we've lost Andrew. Good thing I edit these nowadays. Man, I, I still have one story left, so... All right, so we seem to have lost Andrew, but we'll keep going without him for as long as we can. We still got stories to tell, and uh, he—I think he already told most of his. So, um. I have a couple, just like brief ones, like brief elements I can share. Go for it. One was I interviewed at a startup here in Durham, North Carolina, where a company was in a house, which was fine. They—they they had like had this little house out in the country. It was actually kind of cool, but the. Founder had a, a large poodle, like a standard poodle, I guess, that stayed in the house. And so while I was interviewing, this poodle kept uh, coming and like nuzzling up to me at, at the interview table. And, and I'm not allergic to dogs, and I'm, I, I tend to be pretty indifferent towards other people's pets. But uh, it was very distracting to have this poodle that kept nuzzling up to me. And, and you, you know, what are you supposed to say if someone's like, oh, you don't mind, do you? Right. So uh, I, I would say I do mind, but that's me. Yeah. I need to learn to be as blunt as you. Uh, and uh, another startup in Durham, North Carolina, the data science team took me out for lunch and then realized I was late for my interview with the scrum master. And apparently this scrum master was extremely time concerned or punctual man. And he would send angry emails to the rest of the company about people being late to meetings. Isn't that and a so, requirement for being a scrum master? So we were walking back from lunch all the way, these guys telling me about how uh, how mad the scrum master was going to be. And he tried not to be mad directly at me, but he was really irritated as I interviewed with him. And I had nothing to do with, like, I didn't know what time I was supposed to be back or anything. So that set a bad tone, and, and they didn't make me an offer either. Well, actually, I told them I wouldn't drive 45 minutes every day. And then they said, well, that's kind of the end of it. So, And I guess to, to get people to listen to the, the archives of uh, adversarial learning, they could go back and listen to the time that I had my offer rescinded after I asked about the vacation policy. 
but uh, I don't think I need to share that again. One time I interviewed with a consulting firm for like a, a business intelligence consulting type job. And one of the people looked on my resume and saw someplace I used to work and said, I know someone who worked there. I will do a back channel reference. And so they did a back channel reference on me. But it turns out that that same person who had worked with me at a previous job was also the CEO at my current job. So they called the CEO of my company where I was currently working to do a back channel reference on me. And uh, yeah, that went about as well as you uh, could expect. That was a, that was an awkward day. And it was more awkward by the fact that like, then the CEO wanted us to like have a long conversation about whether I was happy there, but we, we didn't actually talk about the fact that someone had told him I was thinking of leaving. We just kind of talked around it and like, what can we do to make you happy here? And, but, but without any real context. So it was, it was super awkward. It was awesome. My last big story, I went to, they had this uh, speed dating for developers kind of event. So you go there with your resume and you spend like two minutes at each table talking to a company and here's what we're doing. Here's who I am, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, most of the companies there were not exciting, but there was one that was a, a Seattle office of a somewhat trendy startup. And it turned out that someone I knew, a previous coworker, had just joined their Seattle office. So I, I said to the people there, oh, you must know so-and-so. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know him? Like, that's that got them very excited about me. Like, it was kind of a social proof. I, I came in for the interview, and then they just asked me all sorts of stuff that I couldn't answer. Um, so, you know, one of them, this, this was, I love this question. They said, in your favorite language, uh, write a function that takes a callback and a number of seconds and then runs that callback after the specified number of seconds. And I said, okay, you know, my favorite interview language is Python, but that's not a good, uh, it's not a real good Python problem. Like it's not a Pythonic way of thinking, but in JavaScript, uh, we have a function called set timeout that does exactly that. So I would just use set timeout. And, you know, I was very proud of myself. Like, you know, I solved it one line and they looked at me and they're like, okay, how would you write set timeout? And I was just like, oh, you, you assholes, right? Like you're, you're asking me to, and the job was like a, you know, a, a big data machine learning type data science software type job. And instead they're like, you know, we want you to go down to the real guts of like, you know, threading and concurrency primitives. So I fumbled through it. I did an awful job. I think if you asked me that today, again, I would still do an awful job of writing that from scratch. At the end, they're like, are you familiar with semaphores? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you should have used a semaphore. Um, so, you know, they asked me that. They're like, we, we have a very popular website. How would how would you design it? Or how would you build it uh, from scratch? I was like, oh, God. So, you know, here's your database layer. Here's your cache layer. Here's your message, blah, 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 whatever. And so, you know, for, for whatever reason, I suck at those kind of questions. And then the next guy asked me, like, almost the same question. He's like, okay, you know, here's our trendy startup that everyone uses. We want to add this one new feature. How would you implement this one new feature? So, you know, very little of the questions that I do good at, very many of the questions that I do bad at. So it was not a good day. It didn't go very well. And so at the end of the day, I'm leaving. I see the guy that I used to work with who's working there now. It's his first day in that office. And I go and I say hi to him. And he's like, you know, how'd it go? And I said, well, you know, it was, it was pretty rough, actually. But, you know, I'm sure you went through the same. And he looks at me and he goes, no, actually, I worked with these guys before, so they didn't make me interview. <laughs> that, that, and that was my last bad interview. I mean, I, I have a bunch of other stories that are mostly like recruiters flaky on me, but those are less interesting. 
Um, I think you know, one of the challenging things with data science, and I, I guess this is true with other disciplines also, but because data science is such an ill-defined term, it's really hard to know what someone is going to be talking to you about going in. And I mean, you know, it's equally hard to know what data science might actually mean at that company. Because one time I was uh, interviewing for basically a fraud detection position at a uh, financial institution in the Pacific uh, Northwest. And so I, I also flew out after work on a Thursday night to interview on Friday. And I spent the whole whole flight and reading about A-B testing and hypothesis testing, all these statistics things that seemed like they might be valuable. And then they basically just asked me like soft questions the whole interview. Like there, there was a couple sort of like very vague, how might you model this? But nobody had any technical questions at all, really. And they didn't make me an offer, but, uh, you know, that's, that's typical, but then, you know, so you have that on one hand and then you have another day, you just randomly get combinatorics questions. And how do you, how do you even know what to expect? You just got to be prepared for anything, I guess. Well, I, I've just decided that, uh, as the old saying goes, if you're prepared for nothing, then you're prepared for anything. Yeah. Yeah. You, you roll the dice, right? Like, so, you know, I, I worked at Google, um, and I actually had a really good interview there. But then one, after I was hired, I, I looked at like, there's actually an internal kind of repository of interview questions that you can pull from, but you're not required to pull from. And I looked through them and saw what the interview questions people used were. And I got like a really lucky poker hand in that every one of my recruiters like picked a question that I was well suited to answer. I could have just as easily had each of them pick a question that I would have failed. And I would have like completely botched the interview like zero percent instead of whatever percent I got. So, you know, a lot of it is just keep doing it. And eventually, you know, I have this, I have this oversimplified theory that a software developer or a data scientist is a a weighted coin. And, you know, if you're Jeff Dean or someone, you turn up heads 99% of the time. And, you know, if you're me, you turn up heads, I don't know, 60% of the time. And if you're some of the people I've interviewed, you turn up heads 3% of the time. And, you know, when you go to an interview, they flip you five times in a row. And if you turn up heads all, all the times, so then you get hired. But then again, there's I, I, I don't know if people, everyone has as much trouble with these interviews as we seem to. I, it seems like, I mean, we flipped the coin three times and got th- three heads. So it seems like everyone else must be heads also. Exactly. But if anyone is listening and anyone else has an awesome interview story like this, especially if it fits in 140 characters, you know, tweet it at us and we'll retweet it or maybe we'll read it on the air. We can make a Tumblr like that page that used to be big where people would like write their confessions on a note card. I don't remember what it was called. It was called Post Secrets. Oh, I wanted to call it Postmates, but that's different. We can make post post secrets for data science job interviews. I was, I was actually thinking about this idea the other day. Um, I couldn't decide whether it should be like a Tumblr or a Twitter account or like a, a Hacker News type site, but where people can just like shame recruiters who behave really poorly. So either spamming or writing emails that are grossly inappropriate, and then everyone can share them and cross-reference them and be like, oh my God, that guy did that to me too. I think that could be a, a fun site. Anyway... Anyone? Uh, anyone have any uh, any more stories they're dying to share? Because we're we're hitting an hour here. I should interview more because I want to have more stories like you, Joel. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I want more stories like me. I have a lot of. Maybe I'm just not good at making my small frustrations into bigger stories. But like, I interviewed with a company that asked me to do a homework project, and then they asked at the interview they asked me to present the project, which I presented to the CEO, and then. When I asked them for feedback as to why they turned me down, they said it was because the CEO was confused during my presentation. Yeah. But he didn't ask me any questions the whole time. 
just like no just like really stupid things that happen it's just i don't i don't know how you deal with that but maybe those are good signals that you don't want to work somewhere he he wasn't confused by your presentation he was confused by the candy crush level he was trying to beat on his phone <laughs> seems possible they also put me up in a uh i flew to a a college town in michigan and they put me up in a house that they were renting for their interns and they the intern was like the host at the home and he was like uh, we just bought some new bedding. It's in a bag. This is like a, a bedding set that you like you buy for college. That was all in a bag on the floor. So I got to make the futon bed myself. At least you on. know. At least you know it was clean. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was very strange. Small consolation. I went to. This is not about interviewing at all. But I went to. Uh, I went to Boston uh, a few weeks ago for a data science conference, uh, open data science conference, shout out. Um, and I stayed in an Airbnb because all the hotels in that part of Boston were like super expensive. And when I got to my Airbnb and checked in, it had not been cleaned. So, you know, the bed had been slept in. There was like empty Chinese food on the floor, things like that. So I called the, I called the host and, you know, they didn't answer. So I left a, a pretty angry sounding message. Um, and then I also sent them an email and then I sat, sat there and puzzled what to do. And like 10 minutes later, they, they called me back. They said, oh, this is one of these things where it's like a flop house that someone turned into like Airbnb. So there's like a bunch of units. So they moved me to a different one that was clean, which was fine. But then they didn't want me to write them a bad review because bad, bad review is a case of death for Airbnb. So they gave me a $50 uh, gift card to a steakhouse that was right by there. Um, and of course, every meal I had was already spoken for except for one lunch. And I had this $50 steakhouse gift card. So I went and I ate a $50 steakhouse lunch. It was, it was awesome. I got a, a bad review. No, no, I, 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 I struggled with what to do about that. I, I ended up leaving no review at all, which I figured was like I can't, I couldn't in good conscience leave a good review because even if I left a good review, I'd be like, yeah, they they fucked up, but then they made it right. So I was like, you know, better just to say nothing at all, and then yeah, it go, it gets lost in the wash. But anyway, yeah, I had a French onion soup, and then I got this twenty eight dollar um, prime rib sandwich, which was phenomenal, and then coffee, uh, and. With tax and tip, it was exactly 50 bucks. I was very proud of myself. Um, so yeah, anybody who's listening, uh, if you got good interview stories, uh, let us know because we like good interview stories, as you can tell. You should tell people where they can tweet at you. I usually record that part later, but <laughs> I do. I, I usually record that later and splice it in uh, during editing. But I'm sorry for being helpful. No, no, it, it's, uh, it's, it's good. You're listening to this, so you found us, but uh, as always... Our website is adversariallearning.com. You can go there and find the latest websites, latest websites, latest episodes. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, I don't know, whatever it is, any of those other podcast sites that I don't know what they're called. We love it if you write reviews for us, as long as they're good reviews. If you write bad reviews, we don't love it. It makes us sad. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at adversarial underscore L. You can follow Tim on Twitter at, was it TD Hopper? That is, that is right? correct. TD, TD Hopper. TDHopper.com. TDHopper.com for all your TD Hopper needs. Uh, if you want to send us an email, that's adversarial.learning.podcast at gmail.com. I think either Andrew or I will probably check that at some point. I should probably go check it and see if there's any messages there. I think that's it. I think that's our, our social media presence. Thank you, Tim, for coming on and sharing stories with us and being our first repeat guest, being our first series regular. Um, I'm, I'm really, I think this was a cool episode. I'm very excited to get to the editing room and see if uh, Andrew was actually 
uh, appeared in the latter half of the episode or if there's just a bunch of awkward silences that I'll have to edit out. Um, so that that will be fun. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Awesome. Good night. Bye. <laughs>